I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Welcome. You've got digital folklore. Hello and welcome to the After the Episode for Season 2, Episode 5, Down the Raccoon Hole. That was a fun, that was a fun episode, I think. All things considered, that was fun. Yeah, so so tell us what was going on in your happy little mind as you started to put that one together. <laughs> if I sound really tired, uh, it's because I am. Um, we, we, <laughs> we were both traveling a lot uh, individually. Uh, I just came back off a, a, a big road trip cross-country to go to multiple weddings, and I'm very tired. So we had a, tr- a time crunch on this one. Our, we interviewed Brent on Friday before release. That was like a last minute thing where we really wanted to talk to Brent, but I had forgotten to reach out to him for a long time. And then I had reached out and it was uh, a, a bit before I had heard back from Brent. And then he was awesome and scheduled an interview with us and we got him on. Just in time. Yeah. And I think it was a, you know, a fantastic way to cap off the episode too, because it was on our wish list to kind of have that perspective of somebody that could really represent somebody who had been in a conspiracy uh, wrapped up deeply and then gotten out and hear their first person perspective rather than people. Great people like Mick West saying, here's what you do. It's totally different to hear it from the perspective of somebody that was there and managed to get out. Yeah, c- completely. And that uh, that unplugged full edition of the uh, interview with Brent is, is, yeah. is going to be really interesting too. He had so much cool stuff to say. But I think like overall... It was. It felt as close to a quote unquote classic digital folklore episode, I think, as as anything. Mm-hmm. With the uh, us traveling to the place, meet the people. The uh, everything came together really fun. That dream sequence in the beginning was was a fun thing to put together using uh, the audio from Mick West, which you recorded 
years ago. Like two years ago, yeah. Um, so that was episode number two of season one of my other show, Eighth Layer Insights. Um, and I talked about disinformation, misinformation, and conspiracy theories there. And that, um, that interview with Mick West came from that. And uh, that was a lot of fun. It was a really um, big honor to be able to speak to Mick because anytime you see something about how to get out of conspiracy theories or how to talk rationally to somebody who is stuck in a conspiracy theory and really meet them where they are and show them evidence in a way that they're most likely to receive it, Mick West's name floats to the top. And his book, Escaping the Rabbit Hole, is really um, kind of the great representation of that as well. Yeah, that whole interview was really cool. It seemed like it was fun uh, to, to talk to him. He has a, a lot of information. Yeah. Well, and one thing that a lot of people don't know about Mick is, is he's known for this, uh, you know, being able to talk to people that are stuck in conspiracies and give great advice to people who are concerned about friends and family members that are in that. Um, but he, he kind of self-funded his own path into having that as his mission because he was um, a video game designer. He was the, the main video game designer behind the Tony Hawk ska skating games. Oh, that's back right. In the day. Yeah, because he worked at Neversoft. Yeah, and then like sold that off, um, retired a uh, you know, very well off and then pursued his passion, which is helping people. From t Tony Hawk's underground to pulling people out of the underground. The underground. Ooh. I forgot that. That's really cool. Because also, I played the heck out of those games when I was a kid. Yeah. Well, and it also shows the kind of the technical mind that he has as mm. well as, and being able to, to really understand logic flows and also understand the gamification that is inherent in a lot of conspiracy as well. Yeah, that's a fascinating lens to look at the world from when you're thinking about behavior and response and the way and pace at which you are exposed to different things, which are all different considerations you have to have when designing an interactive experience like a game. Well, and, and you look at now, I mean, right now, um, and for the past several years, he's been having to talk about things like um, contrails and UAOs and, or sorry, UFOs and UAPs and those kind of things. And to be able to talk about that in a very conversant uh, way, you also have to understand physics. Mm -hmm. And what does a video game designer that's, um, that's done skateboard games understand is that you right. have to deal with a physics engine as part of that. It's, yeah, it's such a, a multifarious discipline to be a part of. Or you have to be a multifarious individual. You need to have multifarious interests. I should not use words that I can't use properly. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, the he's I think it would be cool to talk to Mick again in the future if we if we. Could. Yeah, I think so. I, I bet we can get him again. Um, he Mick and uh, Ben Radford have also done some things together. I don't know if they've ever shared the stage before, but they've been in the same documentaries. And then I believe that Mick and Brent have been in some shared spaces as well. And so everything is connected in this episode. Yeah, it really is. Everything is connected. almost like a conspiracy. Right. Maybe there's something bigger going on. Have you considered that? You just have to keep your eyes open. Exactly. But overall, I feel like it, we had a, a really cohesive theme, too, which was which was good, like really going into conspiracy. Well, where does where does the uh, clown security fit in? Yeah, Look I was just theme. I was just thinking of that, actually. And I don't know if I, I think I may need to retract my previous statement. Well, it's it's really so the the personalities behind it fit the theme, right? Because Ben comes at everything from a skeptical point of view and is really a show me the evidence 
type of person. And I think yeah. that that's, that's where the conspiracy hook is. The uh, creepy clown bit was purely in service of this releasing in the Halloween season. Yeah. And also like the fact that that's sort of the weird niche area of interest that Ben has so much extra knowledge on. It was really interesting to explore. Yeah. He's, he's probably the world's foremost expert on creepy clown lore and yeah. the research behind that, which is awesome to be able to say. Yeah. Um, he's also like the world's foremost expert on chupacabras and, you know, tons of other weird, inane things that people really like to to research and, and talk about. And he's done Bigfoot stuff and everything else. If you not looked at Ben Radford's stuff, uh, listeners, you need to go check him out because he's a wealth of information and is super fun to listen to. Uh, he's got another podcast called Squaring the Strange that you need to take a listen to as well because everything is through that that critical lens. But Ben, like you mentioned in the, this interview, he really wants to understand some of these fun things like, uh, you know, could ghosts really exist? Is there anything really behind um, UFOs? Is there anything behind some weird cryptid? But he's going to go out there with an open mind and an academic, critical, research-based lens. Yeah, you mentioned that his in the in the episode that his sort of tone is more approachable than a lot of debunker style video things. Um, yeah, I, and like I, I get the impression Ben would be genuinely thrilled if someone was like, "Here is irrefutable evidence of ghost activity" or something. Yeah, I mean, because he got into this because he used to look at all those fun magazines, you know, right. Weekly World News, and all that fun stuff that would show like Bat Boy or the Cryptid of the Week or whatever on it. And it's like this is really, really cool stuff. I wonder if we can find it. Yeah. And then because he has a psychology background and an education background, he's going to approach those things with the enthusiasm of hoping that he finds something. But at the same time, if he doesn't, the enthusiasm of saying, here's why this, at least in these circumstances, is not a provable thing. And it's, it, he'll never say this doesn't exist, <laughs> at least right. that I've heard. He's like, no, the evidence for this claim doesn't, doesn't really add up. You need to improve your methodologies. Yeah, which is, I think, the perfect, credible way of doing that. So he, yeah. he will debunk a mound of evidence, but he's not going to debunk the idea of something. Yeah, which is which is super cool. I've listened to a bit of Squaring the Strange. I've been meaning to, to add that to my rotation to get more into yeah. it because it seems really good. And Ben was so fun to talk to. It's good. And and for folks who haven't heard that yet, the format is is they'll usually open up, they'll talk about some of the interesting factoids of the week that have hit the news and approach that from a skeptical point of view. And that's like the first 30 minutes. And then the last hour-ish is an interview or a deeper discussion about a specific topic, something like Chupacabra or the UAP testimony before Congress or anything else, really. Man, bringing up contrails earlier, I know it's a bit of a jump back in time, but I always think too, when I worked in radio, there was one time someone dropped off a bunch of pamphlets and a poster and a bunch of like documents all about how the government was seeding things into the air using contrails. And I hung up all the posters in my office because I thought they were so funny. Um, <laughs> it's just a fun personality trait. You, you want to give into the aesthetic of it. Yeah. Well, the graphic design on every conspiracy I've ever seen is phenomenal. Oh, it's, yeah. <laughs> like the people putting together infographics for conspiracies are really compelling and interesting and sometimes 
campy in a way that I find very fun. So I want to I want to talk about this intro sequence with Mick West. We talked about the the history of Mick West's interview in, in that, but talk a little bit about the sound design because there's something going on other than just this just being a, a random dream sequence. There's things that are connected underneath the covers, right? Yeah, it was kind of an instance of trying to do something that I, I know exactly how I would want to do it in a visual medium, but trying to do it uh, with audio only was was a challenge, which is trying to do a dream sequence. Um, and so the whole time, if you mute Mick West's part, which you can't do in the finished episode because it doesn't work like that. I wish it did. But if you mute oh, Mick West's part- we could West's put that part, on Patreon though. Oh, we could. Yeah, pull pull that sequence out. We'll mute Mick and then just put the dream- under you know, sound effects and everything else out there. Yeah, because there's there's like a whole s- little story you can kind of follow. Uh, there's a person who's running from outside, clips through at like bolt cutters and shoulder slams his way through a gate and then climbs a ladder to a roof, kicks a door in and enters this facility, walks up to a computer terminal and starts interacting with it. And then the phone starts ringing. So he starts panicking, running down these hallways and checking doors before he gets to the elevator Uh, opens the elevator and this phone ringing continues to follow him as he's sort of panicking, takes the elevator down to a lower level, breaks glass to get through a locked door and runs out into the street and the phone ringing is still getting louder and louder. And there's, it's just, you can follow this whole, like I know exactly how I would animate it or what we would show on the screen. That probably has the most concentrated chunks of sound effects because i made that whole story just out of library sounds and that was a fun challenge if you're a sound designer and anyone ever tells you that it's not viable to use things from libraries or you should be making all of your own stuff that's not true you can use libraries to do a lot as long as you're careful and layer and uh, spend a stupid amount of time on it and also realize that the thing you're trying to represent might not actually be the sound that you need to represent that thing yeah I'm still not happy with the switch out of the dream sequence. That t- I spent a lot of time trying to figure out the right way to get it to like build up and then suddenly be gone. Mm. Uh, but ultimately, crunch time was crunch time, and it was 4 a.m. So this is the midpoint of the season. Where does this fit, and what is it connecting us to? Yeah, so we've resolved Digby's little spat with conspiracy, but there still might be something bigger that's going on in the world that we're going to explore now that this has sort of laid some of the groundwork for, uh, as well as other stuff in in the previous episodes. Like you said, like this is the halfway point of the season, uh, 10 episode season. So basically we've scattered a bunch of Chekhov's guns all over the ground, and then we're going to be picking those up as we move forward. Uh, and I'm I'm excited to see how that all comes together because though it is all planned out and outlined, it is always interesting how things sort of change and morph as we're going through and doing them yeah there's a few details of this narrative that i had not planned for that really just juice up some other aspects of it so i think it's going to be really fun part of it too was to get digby more fleshed out than just this character that's always in distress and always like uh screaming or running or uh freaking out in some way like getting digby more characterization I think was a was a big function of this. Putting a horse virus in his brain yeah, really helped that, to flesh that out. That last scene that was really fun uh, to write. And then now I I think though that Doctor Sfinkel should be very good at discerning what a horse virus is and just like giving ivermectin or something, right? Right. Given he's he's a vet apparently, but who knows what Doctor Sfinkel actually specializes in, if anything. Hmm. I love a vague doctor. I know that's kind of a trope in like animation and in things in general, but I, I love a, a vague doctor who is just 
you can't really trust them. But they don't just... want to go to a vague doctor, though. No, you don't. But there is always... isn't that just a general practitioner? I, I, yeah, I guess vague doctor is a pretty bad way of putting general practitioner. This is my doctor vaguely. Apologies for any general practitioners listening. Doctor vaguely. You have, be- you have better things to do than to listen to things about digital folklore, though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. However, I will say Dr. Vaguely has got to be a character in something now. Ooh, Dr. Vaguely. Yeah. I also had a friend who suggested a film noir name for a detective twice nightly, and I can't stop thinking about that because I think that's like a great... It's me, twice nightly. Hey, listeners. If you're like me and enjoy escaping to a real movie theater, then Regal Unlimited just makes sense. It's the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass that pays for itself in just two visits. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime with no blackout dates or restrictions. And your membership lets you get into premium format shows like IMAX and 4DX at a reduced cost. Plus, you'll save 10% on all non-alcoholic concessions. Regal Unlimited, it's the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass that pays for itself in just two visits. So, if you're planning on seeing a couple movies this month, join Regal Unlimited. Now is the best time as summer's coming up. Sign up now in the Regal app or on the website at regmovies.com unlimited. And be sure to use the code FOLKLORE24 to get 10% off a three-month subscription. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Uh, but anyway. Listener shout outs and reviews we should probably hit on. Yeah, let's let's talk about a few things because we got um, we have a few things that came in over the past weeks and no new reviews. Uh, If anybody listening has not yet rated and reviewed on their podcast platform of choice or Apple Podcasts, um, go over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever. Give us uh, five stars. Leave some nice thoughts and. we will read those nice thoughts on air. If you have things that are not nice, send those to us at hello at eighthlayermedia.com and we'll read it when we can. Yeah, slip those quietly into our email inbox. Uh, we did, there was a write-up that uh, Simplecast put out though that I, it seems like it was from earlier because it, it said it was written around launch time, but it just came out. Yeah, so it it looks like that was written around launch time with some of the pre-release materials that we had. But uh, Lisette, uh, who is the author of that review, did a great job capturing the vibe that we hit specifically in season one 
And I did get some communication uh, after the fact that Lisa has been listening ever since and was hugely complimentary of season two as well. So um, thank you so much for getting that out there during spooky season. I think that's the perfect time for something like that to drop and uh, continue to validate the work that we've done. Yeah. And and then the review, like Lisette's review did a really good job of talking about the crux of the show, which I think is cool about how important folklore is to study yeah. and pay attention to. And that that's that's really cool to see. Yeah. We get we also got a really cool email um to our hello at eighthlayermedia.com. This is from Aubrey Anderson. And Aubrey was talking about personal group folklore. Uh, Mason, what did you think about that? Yeah, Aubrey shared this great story of uh, a bit of holiday folklore from Aubrey's family involving this like cursed looking potato that they would keep in their Christmas village. And uh, it was really good. And it, it, I want to record the uh, contents of this email and use it somewhere, either in an episode or just as like a little mini thing, because it, it's a really nice story. It's a bit long. I was, gonna, I was tempted to just like read through the whole thing, but it's, it's, it's phenomenal. Uh, Potato Lord and the way that Potato Lord played a role in Aubrey's family and holiday traditions. Yeah. So here's just a couple sentences. It says, they took an old withered potato that had somehow hidden in the back of the pantry for long enough to dry out and shrivel up. It had long eyes that had also grown and dried, making it look like a B-horror movie creature. They stuck toothpicks into it, making legs and a head for it, and then it was placed into the village. The whole thing. It's its its incredible. It's super fun. And it's just a great example of how something innocuous and silly can become really meaningful. Yeah. Towards the end, uh, Aubrey says, my mother passed away from an aggressive form of breast cancer two years ago. The village has been split between my sister and my daughter. Potato Lord is my oldest son's responsibility. His story and legend continues. And uh, yeah, I, I thought it was really awesome. Yeah. Family folklore is so much fun. And I think for... Um for anybody, not to not to talk about TV, but there was this show, This Is Us, that uh, just finished like a year or so ago during the uh, kind of end of the pandemic. And there's a whole bunch of family folklore that's wrapped up into that with this uh, holiday tradition around Thanksgiving that they celebrated. And it just shows how these, these family units over generations create their own folklore and folk traditions. And I think thought that this was a fun example of that. Just yeah. happening in real life, not written as, as some kind of TV show. I completely agree. And it's, I don't know, it, it's like, it's heartwarming and also silly and weird. And I love that. Which is what good family members sh- should be, right? It's, yeah. It's heartwarming and so down to earth that they're quirky and weird. Yeah. One of the pieces of family folklore that I have that I've, I've shared with friends because it's something that I always thought was nice was we had a big old shadow box on the wall and my parents were very insistent when I was young to not take things off of it and play with them. They were things that you're supposed to look at and feel happy is what they would tell me. And so they started just calling them happy looking ats. And so now every time I see just like knickknacks or tchotchkes, I always think of them as happy looking ats, which is just Oh, like a, nice. You know, all those little turns of phrase. Everyone has things like that. And, uh. I think that's Happy very cool. Happy looking at. 
Yeah. Um, one other thing, uh, Mason, I didn't tell you about this, um, but uh, Carla Carter, who's on our Discord and is also a listener of, of not only this show, but Eighth Layer Insights and who had interviewed on that. She's a professor of cybersecurity at uh, Bellevue University. She's been interweaving folklore into some of her cybersecurity stuff as a result of maybe this show. Oh, no um, way. But one of the things that she did around Halloween was, um, and I think it was in conjunction with the English department there, was that they had had a contest of writing a piece of folklore. And uh, she sent uh, one of the samples over already. And I did agree that if she can send a couple samples over, maybe we can do a dramatic reading of those at some point. So oh, uh, look hell for that yeah. in the future. That'd be fun to do, um, especially given some of your, I mean, you, you see the inner workings of the show 13 all the time, which is really a you know, good dramatic reading of a lot of listener fiction that comes through as well. So I think we might be able to give a semi-treatment like that at some point. Yeah, I would love to do that. That would be so much fun, depending on how many there are, too. If we need extra voices, we could even I could probably even talk to some of the 13 people about lending some voice lines to it. Nice. So, Carla, if you're listening, um, I did get your Discord message, and we will jump on that as soon as we have a little bit of bandwidth. We also got an email from someone called Christina Morris. Yeah. And she seems super cool, uh, an, an Italian content creator uh, who has a website that I am in love with. The design of Christina's website is so cool. And Christina wanted to collaborate with us. And when Christina reached out, we both have been on the road. Just absolutely pedal to the metal. Christina, yeah, thank you for sending that in. I did respond quickly and just said that uh, I'm sure that we'll find a, a way to collaborate. We are just um, kind of at the end of our time limits in a lot of cases right now. So we'll we'll put some mental energy into finding ways to do that and make that happen, but it may be a couple months from now. Oh, I didn't see that you responded, if that's a testament to uh, how hectic things have been. Yeah, things have been super hectic. So we keep telling people, if you want to get in touch with us, reach out to us at hello at eighthlayermedia.com. We have the intention of responding to things. Uh, sometimes we're just slow because our both of our lives have kind of exploded, not in bad ways, but just with lots of crazy busyness. Yeah, like particularly lately, but I've been starring a lot of emails to make sure I get back to. There have been a, a handful of people who've reached out about collaborating. If you haven't heard back from me, it is not because we are not going to collaborate. It is just because of uh, how hectic things are. I'm making like a roster, everyone who reaches out to me, so that nice. I can tap into that. Um, one last one, and this is, I think, not to rank things, but I think this, is, this one is super special. Um, we got a great piece of physical mail from yes. Dorian, who's yes. on our Discord server. And it, and it was addressed to Digby, which I thought was great. <laughs> yeah. Digby got a piece of fan mail. And uh, Dorian, I didn't see an explicit bit of permission to share the contents of that, but just uh, just know that that meant the world to both Mason and I, and uh, obviously Digby as well. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Dorian. That that was awesome. That was so much fun uh, to, to read. The, the 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 bracelet is amazing. Everything that was yeah. phenomenal. That was so cool. That made me so happy. That also made uh, uh, Brooke, who voices Digby, very happy. To, to read. Yeah, that, that was super satisfying uh, in a lot of ways. So uh, again, thank you. Um, we won't share the, the contents unless at some point you want us to, but, um, but it meant a lot. Yeah, it really did. Oh, you know what we should talk about? Oh, yeah. So this is the section where we talk about Patreon and uh, 
maybe things that are going to end up on there. Yes. What's going on on Patreon? I think I know what you're going to say, and I think I think you should say it because you're the one you're excited about it. God, I don't know if I'm excited about it so much <laughs> as opportunistic. Right. Oh. Um, so we're always wondering, it's like, how do we give value at Patreon? And we, we do want to scale Patreon more in the future as well and have some fun things like that. Um, right now, we're still just growing all these different platforms and figuring out what goes where. And how to manage them. How to manage them, how to keep up with the the demand given our time crunches that we're always under. So this connects back to another discord comment that we got where somebody made the comment of hey i know that you intend to make these very family friendly and for the most part they are but every now and then it would make sense to have a disclaimer for some of these darker topics or if you're going to end up talking about something related to sexuality and so on even though we're doing those in very pg-13 ways sometimes a, a parent just wants to have that discussion with their their child for the first time rather than hearing me or Mason or a folklorist have that discussion. Makes total sense. Yeah. That being said, <laughs> there are typically some very interesting discussions that we get into with folklorists that are not suitable for release in our normal feed. Yeah. One of those came from Ben Radford. And if you are a, a parent in a car right now with your child, you may want to pause this bit. Or just skip ahead like 15 seconds. Or so. I mean, it may drag out longer than that. That's true. <laughs> go, go forward like a minute because this deserves a little bit of discussion. Hi, Matt Bliss, the editor here again. Just letting you know that this explicit section will only last for two minutes and 30 seconds. That means as soon as it begins, if you click that skip forward 30 seconds button five times, you'll be fine. Here we go. <laughs> One of the main things that came out in clown lore is that there's a lot of disturbing things that come with it. And Ben Radford, in his discussion with us, talked about a masturbating clown that was on public access TV. A clown named Crotchy. I always struggle to remember his name if it's like Stiffy the Clown or... It's Crotchy. Okay, yeah. That name is burned into my memory after Ben was telling us. (laughs) Um, And we were trying to figure out how do we... Because it's such a good story and it made it to his book. How do we get that released in the I mean, Crotchy had some release potentially, um, but where do we release this in a safe way? And so this story will end up on Patreon about the same time that we release Ben's Unplugged episode. So maybe not a week from now, but around the same time that you see Ben Radford's, we'll, we'll pull that clip out, separate it, uh, and make that easy to access on Patreon for folks. It's quite a story. It is quite a story. It's uh, slightly disturbing. There's also, in realm of adult content going on Patreon, since this is probably sort of the zone that will be skipped if people are trying to skip past it, we also have that story from Paul Prater about Paul doing a performance somewhat unexpectedly at an adult entertainer's birthday party. Right. And some of the the antics that happened there. Which is also very interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Um, again, when you're studying folklore or talking about folklore, you are talking about everything related to the human condition. And of course, sexuality is a big part of that. It's, you know, it's why we exist. Right. And so naturally there are a lot of funny and interesting stories that come out, uh, involving that. And our main feed is not the place for those, but our Patreon might be. Our Patreon might be. And we'll label those clearly too. 
So yeah. uh, if you're a parent and you're sharing that stuff on Patreon as it comes out, um, we'll make sure that you're aware. That- we will, as is morally correct, we will do everything in our power to make Crotchy the Clown not a surprise <laughs> to encounter. Nobody wants to be surprised by Crotchy the Clown. Um, and Ben also talks about, I, I think he tried to get in touch with, no, Crotchy reached out to him. Asking for royalties. Hopefully because- <laughs> after washing his hands. Because he was mentioned, he wanted wanted royalties from Ben's book, which is a bold move, a very bold move. One of many. Yeah, one of many bold moves made by Grotchy the Clown. Anyway, we got to get, we got to get away. Okay, uh, what do we look for in the next episode? Uh, We're going to talk about AI, which I'm really excited about. We have, uh, we've done these interviews already, so I I know what's in them and what we're going to, what we're going to cover. Talking about AI. AI and folklore, AI and misinformation, kind of a broad strokes introduction to the topic of AI, because I'm certain it's going to come up again in future episodes of this show. We might talk about AI's implications in specific uh, aspects of folklore, but this is going to be kind of our first AI episode. And if you're super into AI, listen to what will be the next Eighth Layer Insights episode as well, because I'm going to have a chunk of Lynn McNeil's interview where she mentioned AI, so you've heard that before. But I'll also be doing a number of fun things with AI as the the centerpiece of the conversation. One of those is, and I've, I've recorded it, I've got to trim it down to an acceptable length, but I recorded a 45-minute conversation that I had with the voice version of ChatGPT. Oh, really? And uh, asked it about lots of uh, interesting things. And e- even its take on Lynn McNeil's comment of, in many ways, AI is divining the folk belief of our society. And asked ChatGPT about that and got some interesting responses. Oh, I am super excited to hear this. So the only thing I'm really doing, other than just kind of editing out some of the questions that I thought rambled on a little bit or we're not hitting the the mark for the episode so i would edit those out in any interview the only other thing that i'm changing is i'm cutting out some of the um the delay between me asking the question and chat gpt coming back with the answer right um everything else is the same so i'm editing out maybe two to three seconds between me asking and chat gpt answering but i'm not editing any of the responses because i don't want to misrepresent context I am genuinely so excited to hear this episode of Eighth Layer Insights. And I'll, I'll just give you an example real quick. Uh, Mason, what do we want to ask? What, does ChatGPT know about our show? So 20, we could ask just about the topic of digital folklore. That's true. Yeah, let's, let's just ask, uh, what can you tell me about the digital folklore podcast and answer in Gen Z speak? Oh, the digital folklore podcast. Um, that's totally the vibe if you're into exploring how digital culture is like morphing folklore and storytelling, you know? They dive into how memes, viral stories, and internet trends are basically our modern-day myths and legends. It's all about how we share stuff online and how that shapes our culture. Super relevant if you're down with how the internet's changing the game in how we tell stories and connect with each other. It's kind of like sitting down with your squad and unpacking all the crazy stuff that goes down online. You listen to it yet? I am a host of that, and I'm also uh, on with the co-host. So I'm Perry Carpenter, and I'm sitting here with Mason Amadeus, who is the other co-host. Hello. Oh, that's awesome. Great to meet you, Perry and Mason. Having a blast with the podcast, what's the latest topic you guys have been tackling? 
We've recently been talking about conspiracy theories and then also juxtaposing that with creepy clown folklore. And we're going to talk about AI pretty soon. Sounds like you're diving into some seriously intriguing stuff. Conspiracy theories can get wild and the creepy clown folklore. That's a classic mix of weird and fascinating. AI is a huge topic with so much to unpack, like how it's changing everything from creativity to everyday life. What's got you interested in bringing AI into the mix? Oh, wow. We'll have that discussion as part of our next After yeah. the Episode, and we'll bring you back into it. So thank you so much for talking to us right now. We're going to let you go. Is that okay? Absolutely. It sounds like a plan. I'm here whenever you need to deep dive into AI. Take care, Perry and Mason, and have a fantastic time recording your next session. All right. Wow. Thanks. Ah, it is. It is. Maybe it is just really wedged in the uncanny valley because holy smokes, the Gen Z talk sort of faded away as time progressed. It did. Yeah, it didn't keep the context but, window for that. Yeah, I mean, it is like super relevant if you're unpacking this kind of thing with your squad, you know? <laughs> All right. So I think that um, we've enticed everybody, hopefully enough to want to listen to the AI episode now that we've shown what the uncanny valley and beyond can look like. And we've got some really cool interviews set up uh, with John Lawden, um, who I met at the uh, International Society for Contemporary Legend Research meeting. It's turning out to be a very productive meeting for us. Yeah, <laughs> you can really. Say. A lot of guests that have come out of that. Um, so we have him. We have um, another uh, gentleman that I met as part of an AI uh, masterclass boot camp that I was part of. And we'll have some other fun stuff to throw in as well. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a fun one. Also, maybe even featuring chat GPT if we want to. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, until then, thanks for listening. Again, if you're not in our Discord, you should jump in. It's free. It's fun. It's just like a big old chat room. There's a link to that to invite you in the show notes. Follow us on Twitter or X or whatever it is called at the time you are listening. If it is still extant, uh, DigiFolkPod. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok as well. Yeah, we're not as active on Instagram and TikTok as we should be, though. We're, yeah. we're, we have to figure out how to splash around the social media pool a little bit more. Yeah. And again, if you want to support our show and just haven't done it yet or on the fence, you should join our Patreon, at least for a little bit. Yeah. And we do have a $1,000 a month subscriber option for Patreon. So Yes, that is still... Don't forget about that. That's Nobody's taking us up on it. I wonder why. Yeah, I don't know why. I can't imagine. Thanks for thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging. All right. Thank you so much, and we will catch you on the next one. See you on the flip side. Carpenter. And I'm Mason Amadeus. And this is Digital Folklore. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. 
That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.